1: Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack
2: Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
3: I don't know
0: if you saw Saturday Night Live. I know a lot of you have been turned off by it over the years because of their one-sided, incredibly freaking annoying politics. I, for some reason, am like dug in on Saturday Night Live and fight through the incredibly one-sided annoying politics to enjoy the stuff that I enjoy. Because the stuff I enjoy is freaking awesome. As usual, there are some hilarious sketches that had nothing to do with damned politics, which is what the show has been been for 50 years. But, uh, you know, you do have to put up with uh, some annoyance. And I I fully understand why you would think, you know what, I'm not giving these these people any more of my time. My time and my money. Mm-hmm. I, I certainly get that. Um, but uh, Dave Chappelle was the host on Saturday Night Live. Now, we we had the story last week that there was some pushback by the writers because he's anti-trans or something. I don't know if that materialized. Or was that a publicity stunt? I wonder. Like the controversial
2: movie with a scene too steamy to, to, to get an NC-17 rating. There's controversy.
0: Um, I think it may have been. I think it may have been. Anyway, there's certainly no mention of it on the show. But here's a little bit of a Chappelle's <laughs> opening monologue about uh, Kanye.
2: Kanye's gotten into some scrapes before. Normally when he makes when trouble, I, I pull up immediately. But this time I was like, you know what? Uh, let me see what's going to happen first. I just want to see what
0: it's all going. <laughs> I can't even remember how it started. Vaguely, I remember it started with a tweet, strange tweet. It was like, um, I'm feeling a little sleepy.
4: I'm
2: gonna give me some rest but when I
1: wake up I'm gonna go DEF CON 3 on the Jews!
0: Yeah, so there's a lot more stuff that gets into the, uh, the controversy around the Jews and how you handle that on TV. Or maybe we'll grab those clips and be able to play them later and uh, discuss that. But I would I thought thought he love to was go hilarious. big with
2: that on like hour four of the show yeah, today. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah.
0: I, I thought he was freaking hilarious and as usual, brilliant at not crossing whatever lines are going to make it not funny.
2: Yeah, he is uh, a genius at saying, here's an uncomfortable truth. How about that? Now, here's a laugh. I'm going to refer back to that uncomfortable truth. But refute the, uh, the nasty thing. But there is that uncomfortable truth.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know. Is there another generation of Bill Mars and uh, Dave Chappelle's and uh, people like that? Is there another generation? Or, or when they're gone, or is everybody gone that's willing to even try? To be able to say whatever you want to say, I think I think there will be. Yeah, remember when the liberals loved Lenny Bruce, which is before my time. I mean, I've only read about it, uh, you know, and seen it historically. But when the liberals just loved that sort of thing. Or um, um um who was the guy with the long hair, the hippie, the seven dirty seven dirty words, George Carlin. George Carlin, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, pushing the envelope and sticking it to the man. Boy, times have changed in that world. Yeah, yeah, taunting the censors. Yes, Michael.
1: Instance. The only thing that's different though is Bill Maher and Chappelle. They both have money in the bank, and so I just wonder as far as uh, can you get to that point before you're canceled? You know,
0: that is an excellent point, actually, because it's not just the sensibilities of we need to be able to say these things in an open society. You got to be able to afford the risk or not care. Yeah, um, because I think
2: like Lenny Bruce didn't care. He was just that stubborn, for instance. Uh, I, but the reason I'm, I'm optimistic about sanity restoring itself to the national conversation is because it generally does. These extreme types burn themselves out because more and more people, uh, I mean, many, many people already hear some of the woke stuff, for instance, and think, uh, that's garbage. It's illogical. It's ugly. It's kind of racist, but I got to keep my mouth shut because uh, I don't want to lose my job. But at some point, when when the masses perceive that, okay, it's okay to send, say this out loud now, they will. I don't, I don't think the woke crowd wins. I think we've got some rough sledding ahead of us.
0: Well, I, I hope you're right. But a slightly different topic, but not completely. I was watching uh, Ian Bremer, who we've had on the show a number of times. We should get him back on just to talk about this. He was speaking at some sort of forum or whatever. And actually, I've got his quote. I should dig up his quote. But uh, he was impassioned about the danger to the United States, and not from Russia or China, but from uh, a combination of our polarization and um. right here, uh, this is just the, the tweet about it. American disunity plus social media's influence equals a bigger danger to us than Russia or China. And I watched his actual speech about it, and he was like, He's usually a pretty chill dude, but he was like yelling and emotional about this is our biggest problem. So, um, you know, that stat that I've been into four out of five Democrats and four out of Republicans think the other side is out to destroy the country mm-hmm. um, and the way just social media works and siloing and, you know, feeding us what we want to hear and everything like that. We may not actually be able to survive that. I think Ian Bremmer's right about that. I mean, that's a Serious threat to whether or not we can move forward. So we'll yeah. see. I, I feel like that's maybe peaked. I hope you're um, right.
2: Yeah, again, I don't know what's wrong with me feeling optimistic today. I'll, I'll, I'll try to talk my some sense into myself as soon as possible, but um, I just I feel like that's peaked and I hope I'm right. there are just signs that the whole I mean, for instance, Trump going after DeSanti's throwing cheap insults at him. Trump fans were like, "All right, no, we've had enough of that." I, I, I just, I, I hope more and more people wake up to the fact that, and pardon the metaphor, but I was going to say it's like how lawyers get, and Jack, forgive me for this, how lawyers get rich during divorces, contentious divorces I'm, or lawsuits. Or, I'm familiar with this. I thought you might be. Um, it, it, the United States has invited attorneys into our home while our marriage is still pretty good. Honey, I've just invited a divorce attorney to live with us. I did
0: the same.
2: (laughs) And so so, (laughs) social media and the fundraising imperative of you've got to provoke anger to raise funds. Those are those twin divorce lawyers in our family's house that are hell-bent on profiting from whipping up anger and angst and hatred i'm totally awake to it now i i can recognize sincere political belief and i can recognize when they're just trying to whip people up to make money and i'm hoping more and more people are getting wise to that i feel like maybe they are
0: so uh, really taking this conversation far afield I, uh, people have been trying to come up with parallels through American history or world history or whatever, what we're going through. Um, uh, this, this polarization, this weird, I mean, when you got 80% of people on both sides thinking the other side's out to destroy the country, I mean, that's just astounding. Um, and, uh, David French wrote a book about the possibility of a civil war, and I think most people thought that was over the top. I did, and everything like that. No, that's not what's going to happen. I spent a fair amount. So it started with I'm listening to Bono's audiobook. It's his memoir, basically. And so he's a singer like, for the band U2. And, uh, and a pretty politically active guy, but he grew up in Ireland, and he talks a fair amount about, uh, the Troubles, growing up during the Troubles, which is the their their own civil war going on from the late 60s to the mid-90s, in which in a country the size of Connecticut, 3,000 people died. Wow. Think about that over 25 oh. years or so. And I thought, you know, this sounds more like where we're headed than civil war or some of the other examples people thrown out to where one side... You know, January sixth, like, or what was going on in Portland? One side kills somebody, somebody dies, a family dies. The other side retaliates, and then the other side—I mean—you just become more convinced the the other side is evil and has no limits to what they'll do. And this is—and uh, it just grows from there. And it gets so complicated with so many different factions that you can't ever calm it down. I could so easily see that happening in the United States of America. Well, it did calm down eventually.
1: Thank God. Thirty years and three thousand deaths. Extrapolate
0: to to the country the size of the United States versus a country the size of Connecticut. But I could easily couldn't you easily see us headed that direction? Uh, yeah, yeah. uh, Antifa, proud boys, whoever bombings, killings, governments maybe in the state where they're operating from who aren't real get to the point that they aren't real interested in finding them. And pr- prosecuting sure. because they feel like they're on the correct side of
2: things, and the other side deciding punishment should be served for that. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah I it's hope- not. A, it's not out of the question. Well, I hope. I hope you're right and I'm wrong. That we're on a on a pullback mission, not not headed down that road. Yeah. the The
2: problem is though, it's like uh, you know, uh, uh, inflation coming down is a trailing indicator whether tightening interest rates has worked. It's going to take a while before we know how well it's worked and how quickly. The wackadoodles on either side are gonna be a way late trailing indicator. Um so the right things could be said and done, the right trends are in place, but at the end of that whip that's that uh, that you know, curling, cracking whip, the angry crazy people will continue doing angry crazy things long after the bulk of people have said, nah, this is not cool. We gotta work
0: this out. So, right, I you know,
2: right. I don't mean to be pessimistic. I'm simultaneously optimistic and
0: pessimistic, but it takes a while. Well, it's got to be weird to be in your head. They, oh, please. combination Terrifying. of both at the same time. Terrifying. <laughs> wow. Uh, we ought to update you on a couple of political stories that happened over the weekend. I mean, it's settled. The Democrats took the the Senate, so among other things. Bunch of stuff. Wow,
2: wow. Plus, the New York Times with a remarkable confession about the whole treating so-called transgender children.
0: I haven't heard this. Yeah, yeah.
2: Speaking of things that I think there might be hope, I think this whole madness of mutilating and drugging children, it's showing signs of shakiness. Yeah.
0: Cool. Uh, stay with us. Text line four one five two nine five kftc
2: The Armstrong
1: and Getty Show. Service members greeted as heroes, groups dancing in the street and singing the Ukrainian National Anthem. It was banned here under Russia. (laughs) Many here have gone without basic necessities for months. And like other areas reclaimed from Russian occupation, there may be real horrors to unearth.
0: Yes, the video of President Zelensky in Kherson, hand over heart, singing the National Anthem as they raise the flag back up is really something, given the fact that a week ago you were beaten in the street if you didn't speak Russian. We are step-by-step
2: coming to all of our country. I'm happy we're in Kursan, he said. Crowds of hundreds of people, some wrapped in Ukrainian flags.
0: Yeah, the town has been beaten up really, really bad. Can't forget that. A lot of people uh, killed, raped, beaten. A lot of the buildings... Tortured. Tortured. A lot of the buildings destroyed. Uh, Took in a lot of your... You know, generals and thinkers on this over the weekend. One of my favorites saying, This is the biggest defeat for the Russians since they left Afghanistan, which, if if true, has got to be pretty wounding for Putin. The problem being, a number of people thinking that this, this actually might be a situation where Putin wants to negotiate and end this damn thing. Uh, the problem is, on the other side, Zelensky probably has no appetite for negotiation at this point, as he's seeing why the hell would we. Well, let's just drive them clear out of Crimea when the time comes and uh, get them out of our country. So I don't know. Yeah, indeed.
2: It'll be interesting to see. But Kursan is the gateway to Crimea. It's a critical city. It's a black sea port. And and it's a huge loss. And uh, coming up in a moment or two, Russian critics of the war effort are getting more and more blatant and loud about it, which is interesting to see. Uh, there's a, a great account in the New York Times about the uh, attempted Russification of Kherson. Mm. talking about a little girl attended a school where the curriculum included memorizing the Russian national anthem, but teachers ignored it, instead quietly greeting students in the morning with a salute, glory to Ukraine.
3: Ooh
0: boy.
2: Boy, that's courage, friends. That's real courage and patriotism. The occupation authorities asked Olha, what's her name? Long, unpronounceable, uh, clerk at a taxi company to settle all bills and rubles. But she kept paying in the Ukrainian currency. It just didn't work, she said of the Russian propaganda, beamed into homes through televisions, plastered on billboards for the nine months of occupation. On Sunday, she was walking in the park, waving a small Ukrainian flag. One roadside billboard proclaimed in bold text, we are together with Russia. But a teenager who offered only his first name, Alexander, uh, shimmied up the supporting pole and began tearing the sign to pieces. Asked how he felt, he said, free. Good stuff.
0: Yeah, the other side of it is this, the reality of it, rather. That's all completely true. Uh, But after capturing Kherson, Ukraine faces difficult months ahead, says the current leader of NATO. He... Today, praised the incredible courage of Ukrainian forces following Russia's withdrawal from the strategic southern regional capital, urged continued international support for Kyiv, but said the coming months will be difficult. Putin's aim is to leave Ukraine cold and dark this winter, he told reporters. We should not make the mistake of underestimating Russia, stressing that Moscow's forces retain significant capabilities as well as large numbers of troops. That's and a good point. And he said Russia has demonstrated the willingness to bear significant losses, no doubt, 100,000 men, perhaps. Yeah, you got a guy who's willing to throw human beings at the problem and certainly doesn't care about murdering civilians. So,
2: Yeah, in the cold, wet time of the year, tough to move gears, I'm sure you've heard, tough to, to move the lines at all. Um. So that'll be challenging. One final line from the Kursan thing uh, said this one construction worker. When our soldiers drove in, their machine guns were pointed up into the air. When the Russians drove in, their guns were pointed at the people. That explains everything. And they said they were our liberators.
0: Wow, good one. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one.
2: Meanwhile, in Russia, even though it's still illegal to criticize the war specifically, right-wingers are being allowed to criticize the conduct of the war and are calling from everything f- to from we need to be more brutal to we need different people in charge of the military matter, that sort of thing. So the, uh, the carping has definitely increased in, value, in uh, volume. rather.
0: Well, and let's recognize what's happened in our own country, or at least it seems to have happened based on our emails and texts and personal friends I have. How quickly things changed in the attitude toward Trump overnight with a loss. Could the same thing happen with Putin with a certain event, like maybe this one? Maybe,
2: although Trump didn't have secret police uh, visiting people's houses and causing them to fall out of windows. Didn't he? <laughs> um, uh, you're right. S- thank you, Rachel Maddow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you miss an hour of the show, get the podcast Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Among other things, coming up, where did all the college students go?
1: Armstrong and Getty.
2: The Armstrong
0: and Getty Show. President Biden said that he plans to run again in 2024, but won't make a final decision until early next year, because it's like his doctor told him, I wouldn't plan too far ahead. Yes. Oh, oh, yes. A good one foot in the grave joke. Ageism, clearly ageism. Hmm. Young people. Um... Left my violin here in the studio over the weekend, and either people are honest or nobody wants a violin, which is uh, quite possible. Like the old banjo joke. What is that joke? Exactly. A guy uh, has an expensive banjo. He leaves it in his back seat of his car. He gets a couple of blocks
2: away and realizes, oh, my God, I didn't lock my car. So he runs back as fast as he can to his car. He looks in the back. Too late. Second banjo. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we'll see somebody... It's been so, so objectionable. <laughs> they put another banjo in there. So undesirable. He was victimized the second
1: time.
3: <laughs>
0: uh, boy. Hansen just dug up something interesting that will sound stupid at first blush, but is not, I don't think. On music, describing what sort of person you are in the relationships. They've actually done a study of this. We tend to listen to music that fits in with the kind of person we are in relationships, whether we're insecure or jealous or or uh, or secure and not jealous or whatever. And uh, it's kind of interesting. Wow. Well, I think all of us, speaking for
2: myself in the audience, are having a hard time concentrating because we're trying to draw those uh, right. conclusions right. about ourselves and our, our spouse. Sure. So maybe we'll get to that. Next significant second. other. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, der, So, uh, I thought this was interesting. A little juxtaposition. The USA Today, which is absolutely the paper of record for the half-wit progressive. I mean, people are just anxious to obey and do what their overlords tell them, but are not nearly bright enough to understand what they believe or, or why they believe it. Uh, they had this headline: Should transgender youths have access to gender-affirming care? Why bans are cruel and dangerous? According to experts, who are not experts, they're activists. Gender affirming care. Look, as a, a non-moron, I recognize when people are manipulating language. Cut it out. Gender affirming care. You've begged the question. You've said the answer to the. Never mind. It's just unbelievable. Never unbelievable. Um. So, uh, meanwhile, the New York Times, which is no conservative outlet, in a brief, I'm sure, spasm of honesty, had this uh, article written by a couple of gals, Megan Tuohy and Christian Jewett. Property, blo- I'm property. I'm trying to read and talk at the same time. Concentrate, Joe. Puberty blockers can help transgender youth. Is there a cost?
0: Oh my God.
2: Well, and they is tap there dance a cost around. to puberty blockers? subtitle is, Puberty Blockers Can Ease Transgender Youth's Anguish and Buy Time to Weigh Options, but concerns are growing about long-term physical effects and other consequences. And then, of course, they go into the 13-year-old boy who thinks she's a girl or a girl who thinks she's a boy, etc. An 11-year-old in New York. You know what? A couple of these, I think, are worth mentioning. Um... 11-year-old Emma had identified as a girl since toddlerhood. Now is she worried about male puberty starting? A Phoenix pediatrician advised, take a drug to stop it. Here's a 13-year-old feeling increasingly uncomfortable with her maturing body and beginning to believe she was a boy. Boy, she's the first adolescent girl to ever be uncomfortable with her maturing body. An 11 year old in New York with deepening depression expressed a desire to no longer be a girl. A therapist told the family the drug was the preteen's best option. Local uh, doctor agreed. Oh my god! They give more examples.
3: Wow.
2: As the number of adolescents who identify as transgender grows, drugs known as puberty blockers have become the first line of intervention for the youngest ones seeking medical treatment. Their use is typically framed as safe and reversible a way to buy time to weigh a medical transition and avoid the anguish of growing into a body that feels wrong.
0: Can you imagine Trans- if you oh. and your uh, spouse didn't agree on this? Ooh. Man, you talk oh, yeah. about a point of difficulty. Well, they go ahead
2: and uh, fly to California and have uh, the the terrible, horrible, uh, you know, desecration of the body performed in California in some cases. Um, I was looking for an email. There it is. I'll get to that in a minute. But um, So, uh, again, their use is typically framed as safe, but um, uh, there is increasingly concern. Transgender adolescents suffer disproportionately higher rates of depression and other mental health issues. Studies show that drugs have eased some patients' gender dysphoria, a distress over the mismatch of their birth sex and gender identity. And they mention, yeah, the anxiety uh, goes away, says this one doctor who pioneered the use of puberty blockers for trans youth. You can see these kids being so relieved. But as an increasing number of adolescents identify as transgender in the U.S., an estimated 300,000 aged 13 to 17, an untold number who are younger, um, concerns are growing among some medical professionals about the consequences of the drugs. Um, it's about three decades ago this started, um, but now they get into the potential harms, and there are many. The drugs suppress estrogen and testosterone, hormones that help develop the reproductive system, but also affect the bones, the brain, and other parts of the body. Serious loss of bone des- density later in life. Uh, particularly among kids who might not have as dense bones anyway. So debilitating fractures, much earlier than they'd be expected from normal aging. Oh, that's nice. There's going to be a price, says this one doctor who leads a bone research lab at the Mayo Clinic, and the price is probably going to be some deficit in skeletal mass. Uh, most Uh Many physicians in the U.S. are prescribing blockers uh, at the first stage of puberty, as early as age 8, and allowing them to progress to sex hormones as soon as 12 or 13. But that could face life-altering choices, other doctors warn, before patients know who they really are. Puberty can help clarify gender, the doctors say, for some re- adolescents reinforcing their sex at birth, etc., The point of this, and New England's National Health Service is really doing great work on this, most gender dysphoria is a phase. It's something kids go through because they're uncomfortable with their maturing bodies, or they've been indoctrinated to believe that if they're a butch chick or an effeminate dude, they're probably transgender, but it works itself out. On this doctor's recommendation, England's National Health Service last month proposed restricting use of the drugs for trans youths to research settings. Sweden and Finland have also placed serious limits on treatment, concerned not just with the risk of blockers, but the steep rise in young patients, the psychiatric issues that many exhibit, and the extent to which their mental health should be assessed before treatment. I want to draw your attention to that sentence. The New York Times is saying, wow, this is interesting. Sweden and Finland think that there should be a mental health evaluation before these kids are given these body-altering drugs. Can you imagine suggesting otherwise? No.
0: No. Just crazy. Like I said last week, when did we come become uh, further out there than Europe? And, and
2: so much further out there. Oh, and then they get to the fact that where is this... Um, there allegedly have been uh, studies, the long-awaited research funded by the National Institutes of Health could provide more guidance. Oh, here it is. In 2015, four prominent American gender clinics were awarded $7 million to examine the effects of blockers and hormone treatments on transgender youth. In their study, the researchers pointed out that the U.S. has produced no data on the impact or safety of blockers, particularly among transgender patients under 12, leaving, quote, a gap in the evidence for this practice. Seven years in, they have yet to report key outcomes of their work, but say the findings are coming soon. Why would highly profitable gender clinics, given a ton of money by the U.S. government, to study the effects of this and whether it's a good idea or not have postponed the results for years and years and years. Do you have a
0: guess? I do. Yeah, that's, that's rough. Is really it's unbelievable,
2: rough. And it's hit like a craze. I mean, this whole, uh, if you're an effeminate guy, you're probably a girl and you should probably take drugs because when you hit puberty, it's going to be ut- utterly clear that you're a guy and this fantasy will go away that you're a girl. And so let's hit you with powerful, powerful drugs. It's 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 like K-pop. It's swept across the landscape and everybody's like, how is this so popular? All of a sudden, it doesn't make sense to me, but a hell of a lot more serious. You know, I, I credit the New York Times. I'll give them a little bit of faint praise. They're dipping their toe into the waters of reality on this stuff. And in the circles that New York Times uh, journalists run in, probably takes a fair amount of guts to do that. So thanks at least for that level of honesty.
3: So
0: what kind of a, a relationship attachment style do you have? I'll give you the choices, and then we'll talk about the kind of songs that you tend to listen to. Oh, and then coming up,
2: a, a lady—the first lady of an important country—have said this very idea of a first lady is stupid. What are we doing?
0: There are four categories of relationship attachment styles. Give you a chance to think about this for a while before we do it. And uh, there's anxiously attached, avoidantly attached, mixed attachment, and secure people. And How about clingy and possessive? I'll read. Well, that's the kind of the description of one of those. Uh-huh. And then they've done a study that shows that we have a tendency to listen to the kind of music that fits in with our attachment style, hmm. which uh, I guess would only be beneficial as if you as if you're in a relationship with somebody and you start thinking about the music they listen to to try to figure out if they're insecure or clingy or weirdos or psychopaths wow. are going to kill you in your sleep or whatever it is wow yeah that's like some good uh good uh, background research what do they call that what do they call that where you do research oppo? on your well, <laughs> <You're> do <doing laughs> apple research on your new dating uh, interest yeah, just a background check <laughs> exactly exactly list 10 songs you really really like right right i'll figure out if you're a nut job or not yeah, how interesting. Uh yeah, it's, it is kind of interesting. So, we'll get to that too. All on the way. Stay here. I Got You, Babe by Sonny and Cher. It's an an oldie. If your love interest listens to this song, it's probably a good sign. And I can give you more examples that are more modern if you want. So this is kind of interesting. There are four main categories of relationship attachment styles. I think this is known without the music part of it. Um, Anxiously attached. That's individuals who are known to habitually worry about rejection and usually need constant reassurance throughout the relationship. No, 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 I still like you. Hmm. A- avoidantly attached people, on the other hand, tend to be much more guarded, hiding their emotions and avoiding intimacy in favor of independence, so they're going to be hard to get into a relationship at all, probably. There's mixed attachment style, usually displays confused expectations, fluctuating between clingy and cold. Well, that sounds fun. And. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Fans of Whiplash. <laughs> and finally, secure people. Are there any generally have optimistic outlooks on relationships, are open communicators, and trust their partners? What they found is, and they coded 7,000 different songs for attachment styles, they found that people in these four categories tend to listen to music that fits in with the category they're in just kind of interesting you just kind of naturally do this, they've done this study many times over the years going back to 1946 by the way wow okay our favorite songs reveal how we act in relationships now we have regularly uh dismissed the idea of uh, uh your favorite color reveals your personality or something like that because it's just dumb and voice felt like, you know, what really reveals your personality, your personality, but um, not, not my favorite pizza topic, <laughs> the way I
2: act. What an odd theory.
0: <laughs> but, you know, if you're in a relationship, especially if you're in a newer relationship, like I just saw Giselle Bunchen's new boyfriend. And I saw last week a story on how Tom Brady, uh, how he got over his divorce. I don't know what it is this with celebrities. It takes me years to deal with these things, but celebrities seem to get over them in like a week. They move on to someone new, and they're over it. Or at least wow. that's the way it's portrayed in the media. Mm. Um, music and psychology. In simpler terms, people tend to turn to music that describes how they're feeling about their relationships for better or worse. Lyrics matter, so pay attention to them, said one... Um, uh, 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 what do you call it? Um, Musicologist? psychologist Uh, uh, psychologist palm reader who is (laughs) i don't know (laughs) dog trainer i don't know give me some hints what are you looking for what are you driving at (laughs) psychologist and uh, the lyrics in the songs that your partner is listening to will give you an idea of how they're feeling about the relationship this that sounds like it could actually be not completely untrue right no i'm
2: scanning my memory banks part of me wants to say that's bunk because i think of some of my favorite
0: songs and i mean they're they're unhealthy relationships um, but um i don't I don't know yeah and i listen to I listen to quite a few songs that I just really love the way they sound and they and re, but regularly have like a line or two in them that I wish wasn 't in the song because they're so stupid or, or or just yeah i don't know're just stupid
2: yeah yeah I'm, I'm I'm scanning my memory banks now i I listen to a lot of music and I always have so it's harder, but you know, I've like I've I've often said probably in terms of the most listens of any song ever, uh the Bee Gees 1978 classic, 76 classic, Nights on Broadway. I've listened to that song a million times. I love it. It's about a stalker. I mean, this guy is really unhealthy. He's got to move on quick, but I love the harmonies. It's got great chord changes and melody. So,
0: eh. so uh are you in a relationship with, with someone who is anxiously attached? Well, then let's go with, uh, yeah, anxiously attached. That's the person who habitually worries about rejection, usually seeking constant reassert- reassurance through a relationship. Constant. Okay. That person is listening to Adele, someone like you, the police, every breath you take, Miley Cyrus, wrecking ball, U2-1, Adele, hello, uh, Bruno Mars, when I was your man, music like that. So does that, do you think that, do you, do you? are you leaning toward this is a bunch of crap or... I got my skeptical look on my face. Secure people who have an optimistic outlook on relationships. It says in general, and are open communicators and trust their partners. Listening to Ed Sheeran, thinking out loud, which is all about being in love. You know, for the rest of your life. Um, uh, Michael Bublé, haven't met you yet. Beach Boys, wouldn't it be nice? I'm trying to cover various genres or various ages through here mm-hmm. uh, brian yeah. adams everything i do i do it for you you know you're good forever love songs etta james at last sonny and share i got you i will always love you whitney houston if your if your boyfriend's listening to that it seems a little weird but if your girlfriend's listening to that, it's because she's secure in the relationships. he has an optimistic view of relationships. judy and i have a
2: very long and happy relationship and most of those songs you just named i can't stand i hate them
0: <laughs> <laughs> not, not all well of them. maybe they can find songs that have the same message that you don't hate yeah. though well,
2: right, sure, yeah. yeah. I, do, I think there's just too much data to go through for me to buy this premise. You
0: know what I mean? hmm How about, what was another nut job? Uh, anxious Avoidant. Uh, anxious Avoidant. Which one was that? Avoidant. They're the ones that uh, hide their emotions and avoid intimacy in favor of independence. Why don't you just get a dog? Taylor Swift's Why Don't You Just Get a Dog? No, Taylor <laughs> Swift's Bad Blood. <laughs> neo's so sick bonnie rate i can't make you love me oh that's a sad song adele that may be the de- saddest song it's one of the saddest songs ever no doubt yeah. about it yeah i don't know i don't know if i think this is all true or not mm. Mm. but you go through you go through moods though right you know the, the, the problem with this idea is i don't are you always one of these things you, Donna? You do, are you in a relationship and you never ever like need reassurance or go through a well, period no, where maybe well, you could use a little. Yeah, I wasn't going
2: to lay down on the psychiatrist's couch, but I, you know, honestly, the the anxious uh, attached one, maybe. But after years and years of marriage, and Judy and I are both very affectionate people. I, I I'm I'm fine. I'm great. I'm not the least bit anxious now. Test of time, etc., cetera, et cetera, But at uh, an earlier time, maybe. Well, and for whatever reason, I've been listening to a hell of a lot of Almond Brothers band lately. And I do not feel like I've been tied to the whipping post, for instance. uh, You know, I'm not on my way to Georgia, uh, leaving out of New Orleans or whatever. Uh, Actually, it's backwards. Have you or do
0: you find yourself wearing more snakeskin boots? (laughs) And doing a lot of heroin. Yes. (laughs) Uh, No, I don't. Maybe that was just a complete waste of your time. Imagine a radio show bringing you a stupid fake study. (laughs) Unprecedented. (laughs) Uh, there's the one if if she if she changes her hair color or he gets new clothes or anything like that that's when they're headed out the door i've seen that happen over and over and over again oh great great give people a dose of fear on the way out of this segment (laughs)
3: what's the matter with you are you still searching for your perfect place to call home well now is the time to buy at fisher homes if you're looking to move in before the end of 2024 may could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end information.